you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the League Podcast. Never trusted the Wildcat. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is not Dan Hansis. It's Greg Rosenthal. I'm with Mark Sessler. I'm with Chris Wesseling. I'm with Zach, the gold standard. It's a room full of heroes. We're changing up the intro for one day. Why not? Go Why not, it. right? Day before Christmas. And listen, the only reason Dan's not here is because our poor friend was caught at the airport roughly, what, eight or nine hours after his flight was supposed to take off? Sad. Dan, the smart one, is back home with his family for Christmas. We're here on Christmas Eve. He is trying to watch the news right now for us on one hour of sleep, so we appreciate that while we're <laughs> hanging out in 70-degree weather. Nice. Your first Christmas in L.A., Chris Wessling. It is. Spending it alone. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. I just thought, you know, we don't normally have a podcast on Tuesdays, but I just thought Christmas Eve, people are going to want to download some things and listen to them. On their iPads. What else would you want right. to do? Well, on you Christmas need to Christmas? get away, especially if you you might need to get away from family for a couple minutes. This gives you that buffer just to say, I got to handle some business, go in the bedroom, <laughs> listen to 45 minutes of this show. And here's the reality it's, you know, the end of the year. People have work off, there's parties. There's more football to talk about right now than there has been all year. We had the highest traffic day on Around the League all season on a Sunday. This Sunday, and that's because everyone's alive. There's so much going on in the playoff picture. These are the big games that we're going to remember, I think, all season, all off season long. So, you know, it's, life is slowing down for the rest of the world. But this is, this is our prime time. Uh, and let's get to it. Let's talk about Monday Night Football. 49ers-Falcons, much better game than we thought. The 49ers closed down Candlestick Park in style. Mark Sessler, let's start with you. I know you enjoyed the game. Were you surprised that the Falcons stayed in it? What were your big takeaways? I here? was in the sense that, you know, and you never want to say this about a team, and you, there's no proof of it, but to the naked eye, Atlanta looked to me a month ago like a team that just had given up. 
And then you look at what they've done. They had won a couple games out of, I think, three out of four there. And then they played the Niners right down to the wire last night. And I thought that, you know, an undermanned offense. They don't have Julio Jones. They haven't been the same team without him. They really fought to the end. So I, I take back, I think, a couple times that I wrote and said on this show that I thought they had just mailed it in. Since that game that basically the Bucks blew them out and everybody accused them of quitting on Mike Smith, they've beaten the Bills and the Redskins. They've given the Saints a scare. They've given the 49ers a scare. And they nearly beat the Packers in Green Bay. This has been a competitive team. Well, and we normally wouldn't spend so much time talking about the Falcons, but they have a big part in this NFC playoff picture coming up. And they have Carolina coming to Atlanta this Sunday. And now Steve Smith probably not going to play in that game. And is that a game now, Carolina? I think all these Week 17 games where teams are favored but need to clinch, they're not all gimmies. And I don't think going to Atlanta is a gimme for Carolina right now. No, I agree. Carolina is a much stronger team than Atlanta. But playing on turf in the Dome, Matt Ryan's record in the Dome is still very impressive. That's not a gimme by any stretch. He was great last night. I think everyone reminded, oh, yeah, Matt Ryan's pretty awesome. I mean, he had a great game you know, they ended up not going to overtime or winning the game because of a, a magical play at the end that was a good defensive call. You know, who was it? Tremaine Brock broke on the ball, and Navarro Bowman takes it. And that, I mean, that's a way to end the stadium. But, but Matt Ryan and the Falcons look good. The shame to me right there is that I would have loved to see San Francisco, had they lost last night, have to go head-to-head with the Cardinals for a game that would, the winner of that really would go into the playoffs because, I, you know, it bothers me to see that Arizona could knock off Seattle the way they did. When you've got a quarterback throwing four picks, that speaks to the strength of the rest of your team. And I give them a good chance against San Francisco. They could win that, go 11-5, and five, and miss the playoffs. It would have been the game of the week, Arizona-San Francisco play-in game, which it would have been if the Falcons had scored there. But let's... You know, give a little love to Brock and Bowman, and it must have been cool to be there the last night of that stadium. Not the you know most beautiful stadium in the world, but a lot of great memories there. To end it on a play like that, and it's almost like the you know 49ers fans you've had. It. I know how you guys feel now watching all the Patriots success and being annoyed. I mean, it's like 49ers fans have had it pretty good. To close down the stadium with that game is pretty sweet. Not bad. Brock's had a great year, and they gave him a contract extension about a month ago. He's he's earned every bit of it. We talked about the 49ers as a potential Super Bowl team. They now have a chance to be the one seed or the two seed with, with a little bit of help. It would take some luck, uh, but they have a chance to play some more games there in the playoffs. Not a great game last night, I don't think. Kaepernick was a little up and down. Does that worry you at all about our 49ers love? It does a little bit. Kaepernick is still too inconsistent. I think... This offense tend to, tends to go as Vernon Davis goes. And he had that problem with his eyes last night. He wasn't himself. I've played sports with, with uh, one contact in with where I've had eye problems, <laughs> and it really messes with your hand-eye coordination. You can't get your timing down. Well, I think he got his contacts back in, right? Or well, whatever what? was going on with his eyes, he dropped two passes in the second half that he would normally catch. They were right in his hands, and he... I'm just saying I've played games where your your eyes and your brain are telling you, your hands are telling you two different things. I think that was definitely a part of it. I like that Chris is using his personal experiment experience in like the 35 and over beer softball league <laughs> compared to <laughs> Vernon Davis, like a monster NFL player with laugh, guys running at him. Laugh all you want, but when your eyes have an issue, <laughs> it messes with your hands. Do you play any softball, Mark? Do you play any sports anymore? Uh, 
at the current time, I do not play sports. I'm not on teams involved in <laughs> weekly schedules and games. I'm no. not either. I never really got into that whole post-college. I did this dodgeball thing once for a year or two. People just did it to, <laughs> miss, did that too, to meet yeah. girls, basically. Uh, but then How I did met- that go? Well, I met my wife separately to that, and then I thought, well, what's the point of this? Right. And so I quit. Well, it just hopefully, seems once we you'd did... met your wife, that the idea that you'd be part of sports teams <laughs> to meet women would melt away to some right, degree. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And, and then I was like, we're grown adults playing dodgeball. I was good, though. We won the championship. I'm pretty dodgy. He is telling you in, in, in a nutshell, Wes, that you need to curtail your no, adult <laughs> athletic teams. Uh, so the 49ers get the win. I don't think it changes. It doesn't change my view of them because they're a team that's not going to blow out everyone because of that offense. It keeps other teams in games. They've still won five straight. They have a chance to be the one seed. Let's talk about that playoff picture now because the NFC is really interesting going into the final week, and we'll break down the NFC and the AFC now. But let's start with the NFC. And all four divisions are up for grabs. And both playoff buys are up for grabs. We know the winner of the NFC West and the NFC South are going to be the two playoff teams, but we don't know who the one seed will be. The Seahawks get the one seed with the win. The Panthers get a playoff buy with the win. If there was going to be an upset this weekend between one of those teams blowing the buy, Carolina has to go to Atlanta. Seattle is hosting St. Louis. Which where do you think the surprise could come from? Oh, definitely Carolina losing. I don't see Seattle losing two straight home games. The only thing that would con- I agree with that, but the thing that would concern me a little bit is what we saw with Seattle's offensive line last week and just w- the effect it had on Russell Wilson. And it's not as if St. Louis is any less of a challenge on that front. They've got obviously the potential defensive player of the year in Quinn. That defense, you know, they played Seattle real tough last time they, they faced each they other. They dominated Seattle last time on uh, the Seattle offense. They dominated them on Monday night. That's, that's a different scenario. That it is. The, I don't think the that's The Seahawks are so much but... better at home, and the Rams are also so much better at home. Well, they they're... just lost the game in which they had four interceptions. Right, the first time in two years. I don't think you're going to see an, an upset in either place because I think Carolina, look at Steve Smith, is a, if he's not able to play, that's a big chunk out of their offense, but he's not as uh, Damashek would say, the Jenga piece that suddenly they can't function. It's that defense that's going to shut down Atlanta, take control of Atlanta's offensive line. And I think we're looking at Carolina and the, and the uh, Seahawks as your one and two. Yeah, the odds, the odds say you're right. I think St. Louis, even though it's in Seattle, is a dangerous opponent because Arizona showed last week that a dominant defense can shut down that Seahawks offense. That's one of the worst games Russell Wilson's ever had in his career. Seahawks win by at least three touchdowns. Yeah, it's Woo! also well. And this, thing this is, won't be a game. I'm trying to right, make a not case. A, this won't be a pattern. It happened, and it's it's not going to happen two times in a row. Well, you know what? I don't buy that because it's not going to happen. People say, "Oh, they haven't lost two years." Well, they could have lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who had a good defensive performance that day and dominated Kellen that Clemens day. Kellen Clemens on the road in the toughest venue in the NFL with his starting left <laughs> tackle out. <laughs> No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be a blowout. We're going to play this back for you when Kellen Clemens drops the hammer on the entire NFC. By the way, Kellen Clemens only four incompletions last week. Kellen Clemens what, does, does not six have passes? twenty passes. Kellen Clemens does not have a hammer in his arsenal to drop on anyone. <laughs> All right, so we think Seattle probably wins that game, but if they don't, for some reason, San Francisco has a chance to slide in to the division championship if they win in Arizona. They could even get the one seed 
if New Orleans, Carolina, and Seattle all lose. So that it's hard to imagine, but San Francisco has a chance. But let's say, okay, Carolina does get that bye. Seattle gets the bye. Now let's look at New Orleans and Tampa Bay. If New Orleans wins that game, they are in the playoffs. It is in New Orleans. If you're a Cardinals fan, you need the Saints to lose. Do you guys think, as a Cardinals fan, there's any reason to be hopeful? No. Saints haven't lost all year. They're not going to lose to the Bucks. Yeah, as the Cardinals' Twitter account— You guys are no fun. Well, no, Sorry. but Arizona's Twitter account last night basically tweeted at the end of that <laughs> Niners game, Ouch. Yeah. And yes, this is a Roger Goodell fever dream. I mean, this couldn't have wound up any better for him. This is what the league wants. Everyone's alive. But I, I like I said before, <laughs> the Cardinals are going to be left out of this thing when they're playing better football than two-thirds of the AFC, if not the entire mm. AFC right now. That's a shame. What What? Are some other fever dreams Roger Goodell would have? I didn't know he had fever dreams. Well, no, the I, the concept that when <laughs> what parody did not exist to this degree back in the eighties. Obviously, now this is exactly what they want, and there's a reason for it because a big chunk of 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 anyone rooting for any team has something to hope for this weekend. You know, if it's not your draft pick, it's everything else. This is Burt Bell's vision. Forget Roger Goodell. Let's Burt drop Bell. some drop, drop some history on you, C- Commissioner. Back in the 50s, I believe, the 60s. I think he first came up with that saying in like 1947. What was the saying? Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. There you go. And I think he was an owner at one point, too, of the Eagles. And he came up with the whole idea to you know make the draft weighted towards the bad teams and make the schedule a little weighted. And the whole idea was to try to give everyone a chance every season. This Sunday, there are 16 games. We're going to be working hard. No no Thursday, nothing else. It's all Sunday, no Monday. 16 games, 14 of them have playoff implications. We've come no, up. Is it 13 or 14? It's 13, actually. I'm sorry. It's, it's enough of them. It's 13 games have playoff implications, whether seeding or getting into the playoffs. We've come a long way since the time when Burt Bell rubber-banded a team named to the back of a domino to make the schedules. <laughs> <laughs> also in the Burt Bell era, and I know we're getting deep here, there was once the Steagles... You right. remember this? There was the Steelers and the Eagles, and they were combined to make one team for one year, I think, during a war or something like that. The Steelers. That uh, would be a nasty team this season. Yeah, I think it was during World War II, the early 40s. That would be a cool throwback if someone was just rocking, yeah. rocking a Steagles jersey. Let's move to the AFC. We, we don't think Arizona's going to get in because we think New Orleans will win. Although, I don't know. Surprising things happen sometimes in these games that you assume. Something surprising will happen. If I had to pick one of all these surprising things, I think it would be the Saints losing at home. Because I think the Bucks are a decent team, and I think the Saints are the, the one playoff team that looks safe that's a little shaky. I don't see that happening. I don't see that. All right, let's move to the, the AFC. The Bucks can't beat the Rams in St. Louis, but they can beat the Saints in New Orleans? Hey. <laughs> Just want people to watch and <laughs> be interested. Uh you know, let's go to the AFC and talk about the one seed should go to Denver. They have to just beat Oakland, and Terrell Pryor, who we'll get to in a minute, uh, is going to be starting for the Raiders. But w- it's hard to imagine the Raiders going into Denver and winning that game. So they right, w- that's funny business. Denver will win that game. They have a bye, though. So the worst they could be is the two seed. The, the Patriots host the Bills at the same time, and if they can just beat the Bills, they get the two seed. If they lose that game... The Bengals and the Colts both have a chance to move up. The The Colts would need the Bengals and the Patriots to lose. The Bengals, if the 
are in the three spot and they have a chance to get that bye, do you think there's any chance that two, three, four slotting is shaken up at all? Right now it's Patriots, Bengals, Colts. Do you think that's that shakes up at all? There's a chance, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, I look at like Bill Belichick coach teams don't tend to completely like dissemble in week six, week seventeen no. in a big spot like this. The bye means so much to New England, and I, I do think the AFC is going to shake up in a way where, yeah, your two best teams in theory are one and two, and we're not going to get the Colts getting the bye, which would be a disaster. The Colts could move up if the Bengals lose that game to the Ravens. Even even if the Patriots win, the Colts could move up to three. The Bengals go to four. You don't know if that really even makes a difference. I don't think you don't know until what the teams are in. Uh, we know the Chiefs are the five, so let's get to the six seed, which is really the interesting, probably the most fascinating thing this weekend is the six seed. Do we think Pittsburgh or San Diego, the two teams that need more help, if you're picking one of those two teams to get through, which would it be? Uh, let's see. I think San Diego has the easier road. I, I guess I have to go with San Diego just because I don't trust the Chiefs to play their starters against the Chargers. Yeah, I, it's hard to argue with that. There's a little magic to Pittsburgh, and I ha- I don't know why <laughs> I had this this idea last night that we're going to be looking back on an 8-8 eight and eight Steelers team that got into the playoffs and then won a playoff game and became the team that no one wanted to deal with. And it's going to put all those issues with Big Ben and Haley way into the background because... You know what? When they're playing offense well, I don't. I don't think any team can beat them in the AFC right now, outside of Denver. And I, I I'd love to see Pittsburgh get in. Love it. I, I don't think it will happen though. They needed three things to happen last weekend, and all three of them happened this weekend. They need four things, they but they're need, not implausible things. They need to win. Let's go through it. They need the Dolphins to lose at home to the Jets. Could see that. Sure. Yes. They need the Ravens. To lose in Cincinnati, Could that should happen. It, yeah. That should happen, and they need the Chargers to lose to the Chiefs in San Diego. I think that's the toughest one. That's the toughest one, and to me, it so much depends on Andy Reid's attitude about playing his starters versus resting his starters. Oh, and by the way, I realize this is a footnote, but they also need to beat Cleveland. Oh, well, that's well, just you assumed. Assured, you assured us Sunday night that that was going to happen. That's just I assumed. I no, it is. Wait, are it the is Browns still playing this season? That's right. No, it's, it isn't just Pittsburgh just sitting at home waiting for these other three things to fall. <laughs> I do think, though, that they, listen, they will beat Cleveland. And I think, what if anything, they get down to the last game where there's, are they all at the same time, these games? Well, the San Diego game is later. So San Diego will line up against Kansas City. Mm. And they will either know they've been eliminated or they will know they are in the playoffs with a win. So that'll be interesting. We'll see. It's funny how the Colts and Chiefs have swapped spots this week. Last week, everyone, you know, Jamal Charles is coming off historic game. Alex Smith's been playing so much better. They were the sneaky team in the AFC. Greg is not the only one I've heard. Oh, no. I said this before, though, you before did. last week. You were the week. first one I've heard say the Colts are starting to look like the Ravens or the Giants. This wild card team, well, they're not going to be wild card, but a team that was kind of struggling and just picks up momentum, they fit that profile. I've heard other people say that now. Everyone seems to think the Colts are frisky now. I, I, I don't they have see Andrew it. Luck. Yeah, he could convince me into anything. Well, well sure, he could talk me into a new a new that, house or something. It's he the could fact tell that they've anything. gone on the road and beating San Francisco, Kansas City. They've beaten the Broncos at home. 
They seem to be tested in these big games. They've beaten the Seahawks at home. And it took them a month to figure out. You know, they've got a couple other pass catchers starting to bubble up. They didn't before. They they maybe have figured out how to get over that Reggie Wayne thing. And it, it, it they looked like a team lost for a while. But honestly, outside of Denver... What team can't be beaten in the in the AFC? Anything Denver could can happen. be beaten, and they can. But, but let's just say they're the best team in theory, right? If they're playing well, they're going to be they're going to roll. Well, they they had the the luck, the fortunate happening last week. They played a Chiefs team that hasn't rushed the passer in, in since the first half mm-hmm. of the season. Don't forget the Colts have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. A good defensive front can take them out. You wrote the AFC playoff picture recap. It's up on NFL dot com. Check Honestly, that out. my head I, I, my head is spinning. When I had to come by go Mark through Sessler. the six seed thing, I, I exited <laughs> that post, not sure I love this who stuff. I am anymore. <laughs> well, you you pointed out some numbers that are heavily weighted for the Dolphins, and we'll, we'll move on to the news shortly, but th- the numbers say the Dolphins are the heavy favorites here for the spot, right? Right. Well, our, those, the Football Outsider site that does weigh percentages, and they do a great job with that, they put them at like 59%, and I think the next was... 18% or something for Baltimore. Such a big gap. That's surprising to me, but I guess the Dolphins just need less help than any other It surprised team. me, too. What I think is if they all win, all of them, Miami's the one team if, that wins. That has to weigh heavily in the percentage. And if they it, all right? lose, it's Miami. Yeah. And I think the the big thing there is they take into account who you're playing, and they don't see the Jets as a good team at all. They see them as about the 25th team in the league, and they're, you know, they're one in problem Miami. That's they're, fair, but I don't see the Dolphins as a good team at all either. No, and the recipe for disaster <laughs> we saw against Buffalo, 19 to nothing. Miami played its worst game of the year. When you get their offensive line against a defensive line that can cause havoc, that's the Jets. Mm, and what, what defense is more similar to Buffalo? I, they're not as good as Buffalo, I don't think, overall. But in terms of the scheme and the players, it's the Jets' defense. Mike Pettin, Rex Ryan. And the Dolphins will abandon the run at any sign. No one's run on the Jets all year. So the, the Dolphins need to win, and they need either Baltimore to lose or San Diego to win. So that San Diego game, it's interesting because the Dolphins win any three-way tie. If, if the Dolphins and the Ravens win early— the Dolphins will be sitting there watching the Chargers, rooting for the Chargers to win. <laughs> I'm rooting. I'm rooting so that they can the make Dolphins the playoffs more than any team. It in doesn't the NFL make any week. sense. I'd be fine if the AFC playoffs, just for the sake of our nation and for the people that watch football, went down to four teams. If the Dolphins make the playoffs, I'm going to petition Greg to let me not cover that game so I can <laughs> just not watch it in any shape that's, or form. I like, do not want to watch the Dolphins in the playoffs. It's a travesty. They are not a good team. You should know by now that even. The fact that you just said that just now guaranteed you're you on the Dolphins playoff game. game now. Just to no, annoy you. Oh God! <laughs> no God! Please no! 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 That's they're so bad and they're so boring. The they're, gold, the gold standard team. behind the glass today. Cl- clutch play by the gold standard. And before we move on, I agree with you. I don't want to see the Dolphins. I want to see the Cardinals. Like Mark, let's think about reseeding these playoffs and let's just have the wild cards come out of any conference. And that the 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 division winners, or all the division winners, they're in. But after that, it's the next four best teams from any conference. Oh, I like that. And just throw them around wherever. Maybe throw the maybe Arizona to the AFC. Take away the conferences. Well, maybe Who cares? even from another sport. <laughs> just bring in the best group of people you can. Do you to know what? I'm serious. Wouldn't that be a better playoffs? Put Arizona over in the AFC playoffs this year in the weird. wild card. Do something you know like what that. your idea has going for it? What? The NFL has shown a willingness more than any other professional sports team. 
to mess with the rules to make the fan experience better. Exactly. Major League Baseball would never make any change in 100 years. Well, look at the Pro Bowl. I mean, they're, suddenly they, they mix that soup up. I could see this happening. And if I was a professional host like Dan, I would have teased earlier that we're going to go over some of our Pro Bowl picks. But first, let's get to a little bit of news. All right, we got to start with Tony Romo. The newsroom was filled with excitement. I've never seen so Is many. Is that the word for it? Well, well, how would you describe it with well, the Tony I think, Romo news? I think news? the newsroom was a fluster with, uh, you know, well, we didn't know what the it situation was. A, was it was right? a something show. We didn't know what a the lot, situation was. When it dropped in the news, you know, the first report is he's out for the year, and we keep learning more, and then Jason Garrett comes out. He refuses to say he's out. I've never seen so many middle-aged men running around so fast. <laughs> there was a buzz in the air, definitely. Uh, and right now, as we tape this on Christmas Eve, Jerry Jones has expressed, I would say, some optimism or hope that Tony Romo could play this week despite his herniated disc in his back. And he basically says he, could, he might be cleared if he feels better later in the week. There's nothing structurally wrong that says... He couldn't play. NFL media insider Ian Rappaport has reported through his source that Romo is unlikely to play. Uh, but it's something, I think, based on Garrett and Jones's comments that we're not going to know about until the end of the week. It's similar to Aaron Rodgers here in that it's purely a medical decision. Jones has said if there's any way we leave it up to Romo, he'll play through the pain. He's reportedly getting an epidural for the pain. So the Cowboys are approaching this as if there, if there's any chance that Romo can play, it will happen. But it depends on the medical clearance. You know, it's the second week in a row where uh, they got frisky with the flexing of a game into mm. Sunday night where the uh, Cowboys game that we thought we'd see could be very different. And I, a lot of people, you know, I, I wrote a piece yesterday basically, I don't want to hand it to the Eagles, but this isn't a good matchup for Dallas even with Romo on the field. And I, I don't like their chances with Orton, who hasn't played in two years, being thrust into that lineup. Yeah, I didn't mention the NFC East playoff picture or NFC North that I knew we'd talk about here in the news. That's, of course, the winner-take-all game. I think we both we all like the Eagles to win that game, even if Romo's around. I will say that the Romo factor, if he does come back from this, it just there's always so much drama. It would be fascinating with Romo and his career and... If he could get out there, what a what a moment on Sunday night that would be with a division on the line, there, I'd right? Love, I'd love to see him play, and I want to see what kind of creative creative drama he can come up with with a bad back. The last time I was this excited about a Kyle Orton game was 2011, Week 17. Kyle Orton returns to Denver as a member of the Chiefs with a chance to get revenge on Tebow Mania. You were as excited then as you are now about Kyle. I, w- I was excited for that game. It just uh, felt it was. And they ki- did, and then Denver backs into the play. No, no, the Denver won three to nothing, I believe. And Tim Tebow had two completions in that game, and it was the worst game ever. So, Kyle Orton, don't don't let me down again. That was it was a big disappointment. Let's move on and talk about Von Miller, a story that got lost in the shuffle yesterday. He is out for the season. One of the league's best defensive players on the AFC's number one seed, and yet this story sort of got lost with everything else that went on. How does this change your view of the Broncos, Mark Sessler? 
Well, I, I, you know, people quickly point to the fact that they were 6-0 and without him to start the season, and there's a lot of talent in Denver, and if the offense is doing what it can do, it's not the same as if the Chiefs lost the equivalent of Von Miller, but I think he's the most complete defense or defensive player in the, in, the, in the league right now. He can mm. do everything well, and, uh, you know, maybe he wasn't having his best season, but it's a big loss because a lot of the guys that they had when they went 6-0 and also aren't healthy. They're not, a, they're not a healthy defense right now. Derek Wolf, Kevin Vickerson, Raheem Moore, Wesley Woodyard, all were healthy and playing well when Von Miller was out. None of that is true right now. Hmm. I feel like if, if the Broncos are going to win, they're going to have to score 40 points every game now. Whereas I thought there was some hope that Champ Bailey coming back, Von Miller, maybe Moore, and Wolf and Woodyard all come back, and they could have a pretty good defense in the playoffs. I no longer think they'll have a good defense in the playoffs. Mm. Their cornerback, Kayvon Webster, who was playing okay for them, is also injured. Bailey's been a shell of his former self. They had a four-game stretch where they gave up 29 points per game uh, up until last week when you know they got to play the Texans. Every team in the AFC has problems, but they have a problem. They're an imbalanced team. I mean, they're not as banged up as the Patriots. They're probably not as imbalanced as the Patriots. The Patriots' defense is not good either. So they... They still should be seen as the favorites, but I don't see them as some gigantic favorite no, by any means. Uh, let's talk about a story you wrote last night, Chris Wesseling. Ter- Terrell Pryor and his agent are getting into the mix. Terrell Pryor will start this Sunday in Week 17 against the Broncos. T- tell us about what his agent was saying. Terrell Pryor's agent... It seems like he's been frothing at the mouth, just waiting to get this out. This has been festering for six weeks. Mm. Uh, told CSM Bay, Bay Area last night that Dennis Allen is setting Terrell Pryor up to fail by removing Matt Begloin and starting Pryor against the Broncos, who are on the bottom third in the NFL in defense, <laughs> and against whom Pryor had the second-best game of his career earlier this season. He's crazy. It's, a, it's an odd way to sabotage your quarterback. It is odd. It's an opportunity, and that's what he's been asking for. It's these the comments were just out of this world crazy. You know he, he, the things he was saying that Dennis Allen stumbled upon a gem, the find of the season in Terrell Pryor, <laughs> and he botched the discovery of this gem. It, well, it's just is it the find of, of the season in Oakland? No, well, it's, it's the same. he couldn't throw the ball. Well, I'm not saying he's a great player, but I mean, I get I, the in agent speak reduced down to normal language. Everyone thought Terrell Pryor was a lost cause, and you know he was. He is a great athlete. We discovered this year, but is he a great quarterback? No, but it's an opportunity. I don't see how he's being sabotaged. This is the same as any other situation in which there's no answer at quarterback, and the coach just goes with the hot hand. You can't blame him for that. Pryor had eight interceptions without a touchdown over a four-game stretch in which the offense fell apart. You can't blame a coach for turning to another option. Yeah, if, if anything, Dennis Allen is trying to save his job. He's not trying to sabotage anyone. Right. He's trying to win the game, and he thinks Pryor, who played well against Denver before, could help him do that. It just, I would it, I would bet the Broncos are a lot more scared of Terrell Pryor than Matt McGloin right now. That's I, fair. That's totally It's an fair. odd move by an agent and not puts really him in a, bad a graceful spot. move by an agent. Well, it puts yeah. him in a bad spot. Pryor had to quickly apologize and say, these comments are not how I feel towards the Raiders organization and yada, yada, yada. So he put his client in a bad spot. You could say this is the most important game of Pryor's career now. He has to leave an imprint on the front office for the, for the season, and he's got to spend the week defending his agent's dumb, com- dumb comments. Well, if let, Pryor let, ever left the Raiders, don't you think he'd get another job in a second? 
not, not a not starting a, job. Well, not this a starting could be the job, last... but he would quickly be brought in somewhere else yes. to work with. Absolutely. Yes. This could be the last start he ever makes, though, without an injury in front of him. That's true. I mean, that that's where he's at. It's a big game. It was just such a wild story. I've... We've written these types of we've written stories for a long time and I've never seen one quite like this, so we had to mention it. Let's get to Aaron Rodgers as we wrap up the news. As we tape this, the one thing we know is Mike McCarthy said that he wants an answer on Rodgers' status a little sooner this week than he has in past weeks, and that's really the only thing that's different. The only thing that would give me hope if I was a Packers fan is he did hint strongly hinted that he and Ted Thompson could take the decision in their own hands this week. And remove the medical evaluation. Uh, that would give me a little bit of hope if I was. A if Packers this were fan. 1988, wouldn't he have been playing for the past week or two? Yes, I don't think there's any question. Well, maybe 78. I don't know about 88. The decision comes down to Thompson. It sounds like ultimately from the reporters in Green Bay. For what it's worth, there was a feeling among some reporters there that the wind was changing on Monday, but. I don't think we know. I think we'll find out earlier in the week. We're taping this again Tuesday. So we'll see. I don't think we give – do we give Matt Flynn much of a chance if, if he's not in? And I think I we're all picking the – I give anyone a chance against that defense. Okay. I think we're all picking the Packers if Rodgers is playing. No question. Let's get Rodgers into the playoffs, shall we? Let's get Chip Kelly into the playoffs. Let's get either Roethlisberger – Pittsburgh Steelers! Or yeah, Rivers I... into the playoffs. Let's get all the good – quarterbacks and offenses. Well, that's fair. Thank you. That's what I would like. All right. We just talked about Rivers and Roethlisberger. Well, I mentioned them. They're two of the quarterbacks that got some Pro Bowl voting on our first annual Pro Bowl ballots, unconferenced on NFL.com. If you want to find it, I would just Google the words Lyle the Intern. <laughs> yeah, that's the easiest And way. Pro Bowl voting, and you will find it. It's got all our Pro Bowl choices, and we're gonna, they're going to get announced this Friday on NFL Network. We're going to have some reaction for you on NFL.com. You can still vote if you're listening to this by December 26th. So if it's Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, what what could be better than unwrapping some you, Pro Bowl votes? You know when you're done opening your presents <laughs> and it's it's depressing because you if not now as an adult but as a kid you waited all year for Christmas then it's suddenly over and it's like four o'clock on Christmas Day. Hmm. That's when you get on that computer and you start to knock <laughs> off some Pro Bowl right. votes. Wait, at that point, that's the point where you think, what would I rather do than choose Marcel Reese? Or John Connor. Ah, that's exciting. This could be fun. Choosing the fullback <laughs> for the Pro Bowl. Let's talk so much about- power. <laughs> Riveting stuff. Let's talk about some of our choices. Um, let's go through the quarterbacks first. And uh, Mark Sessler, you had Ben Roethlisberger on your list. Chris Wessling and I did not. You left off Tom Brady. I thought that was interesting. What's your uh, decision-making there? Well, hold on. Number one, you get to pick six guys, and do I think that there's seven or eight guys that would be, if they were in a Pro Bowl game, I wouldn't blink? Yes. And I just went Roethlisberger because I look at this team, and you take him out of what Pittsburgh is. Not that this isn't true of Brady. This isn't a big Ben versus Brady thing. I just love what Ben's done this season. I think that he, he proved to me that something that Wes pounded the table on a couple months ago as bad as the Steelers were, when you have that quarterback, you can't count him out. We're still talking about them as a potential mm. playoff team. And I think he's the toughest quarterback around. And so it wasn't hard for me to vote for him. Now, the Pro Bowl is 
different this year than it's ever been in the past. I don't know if people know this. Let's bring in uh, the gold standard here to just see. Are you aware how the Pro Bowl is different this year, and could you explain it how it is different? This is a real trial by fire. Uh, I I do believe that the Pro Bowl is different this year in that the fans have a larger stake and there's no conference-based voting. Is that That's correct? accurate. I don't know you if did the a great f- job there. Correct. The I was about to say, but I don't know if the fans have a larger stake. I don't think they do. Yeah, that might not be correct. It's good, though. <laughs> but the conference voting is what you got. So you don't have to choose three AFC or three NFC quarterbacks. You just choose your favorite six quarterbacks or your favorite six running backs, and it could be five from the NFC, one from the AFC, whoever you think are the best. Chris Wessling, you had Andrew Luck. You were the only one hmm. of the five ATL writers, Kevin Patra, Dan also, of course, had their votes. You're the only one that had Andrew Luck in the Pro Bowl. Well, let me just first say that this is the Pro Bowl, which is, you know, we're not talking about the most important game of the year here. Thank you. Your Pro Bowl bout is not the Magna Carta. <laughs> it's fun to talk about. Also, no, by no, the way, but I'm just saying yeah, you're right. allowed to... Like, okay, some of these picks are going to be no-brainers. They have to be acknowledged for their greatness. You can, I think, out of six quarterbacks, you can pick one or two. I have no problem picking Andrew Luck over Tom Brady right. or even Ben Roethlisberger. Andrew Luck, without him, I think the Colts not only don't win the division, they're probably a three-win team. Hmm. I think he's put that team on his back all year and carried them, mm-hmm. and I think he should be acknowledged for that. Tom Brady's missed too many throws for my like. I think he's still he's extremely valuable. He's carried that team too, but I I think Luck has been uh he should be acknowledged for what he's done. Well, I can't argue with any of that. You chose Luck over your boy Cam Newton. Wow, the quarterback position it's tough to just get to 6. It was. I had Cam Newton, Mark had Cam. Cam Newton is a preening schmo. He's not my boy. Whoa. <laughs> but you're always defending he's had his play. He's a good play. year, but I don't like him. I would not vote for him for the Pro Bowl. Well, you would if he you thought he was one of the six best quarterbacks. If he didn't do that stupid Superman thing in the, in the first down <laughs> dance for a quarterback. Wow. A quarterback should not be a preening schmo. I'm pretty sure that in the bylaws of Pro Bowl voting, you were not allowed to you know, count touchdown celebrations as part of your vote. I think the you great can thing do about the Pro Bowl right? voting is there is no This is bylaws. what I'm talking about. No rules, big fan stake right <laughs> That's there. Right. That's right. And, and, the, and the fans always blow it. The, the, you know, Every all-star voting, Pro Bowl voting, I'm encouraging everyone to vote. And, and check out our picks and use those to help you not choose some star that stinks now because there's always big mistakes when you Don't let the vote fans for Matt Schaub. vote too much. <laughs> I had Cam Newton in. I had Brady in. There was, all, there was basically there weren't that many disagreements. I had Brady, Breeze, Manning, Newton, Rivers. I would say that and you Wilson. look at our five slates together. There were very few controversies. Yeah, they, we were fairly similar. There's just little differences. Like Dan chose Nick Foles for the Pro Bowl, which I think is totally legitimate. You can make that sure. case. Why I not? think he missed too many games. Another interesting pick, Ryan Matthews at running back. You were the only one that mm. chose him, Chris. I like that choice. Well, I don't see why not. Um, he's had more. He's had as many 100-yard games as any running back. He's really carried that offense over the last four or five games. You've, Greg, you've mentioned that he if there was a spot for – First and second down running back, he might be an all-pro. He's run as hard between the tackles as Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch this year. And to me, Ryan Matthews is the one guy in the NFL this year. You can tell, are you watching the games? Well, that's a great point because I think Ryan, it's quickly – you mentioned Ryan Matthews to, to almost anyone. Oh, but isn't he the guy that's always injured? Isn't he the guy that's been a disappointment? Actually, if you just put – you rip the names off all these guys' jerseys – 
He is a very good Pro Bowl pick. Yeah, I'm, he's the guy that if you're trying to tackle him a couple yards from scrimmage, you better get ready because he's going to run you over. He's what been one of the most – I'm just saying – Greg he, is out of his chair for Ryan felt, again, You know what, Greg? That's two times in a row felt a little manufactured. The stand, That's not at all. Yeah, I just wasn't the stand, I understand. I like it, though. It's a, it's a bit at this point. It's a bit. <laughs> it's a bit. Matthews is one of those guys that's fun to watch, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He's, he gets you fired up. Yeah, no one's killing. And Wes has been, you've been riding the uh, that, that train for all season long. It's my uh, Twitter consensus theory. Seth- if you have every fantasy football expert in the land agreeing on something, or every sports writer in the land agreeing on something, you're probably going to be right if you go the other way. That's a good point. I, uh, I had to put Frank Gore into the Pro Bowl. Also had Matt Forte, Charles, Lynch, LaShawn McCoy, Peterson, there's so many good running backs this year that you really couldn't argue too much. That sixth spot was where we all kind of differed. You know, you had Matthews, I had Gore, I believe you had Alfred Morris, Eddie Lacy, Eddie Lacy. Yeah, we all had Lacy. Some we? I did, I not, did have, not have oh, Lacy. I did not have Lacy. Uh, at wide receiver, it, we were really similar across the board. Some people had Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall. Some people did not have Brandon Marshall. There was a lot of Demarius Thomas, Jordy Nelson decisions. You guys went with Nelson, am I right? I did go with Nelson, and it's more for the degree of difficulty on the catches he made early in the season when Aaron Rodgers was there. But I would have no problem with somebody choosing Demarius Thomas over him. Oh, it's another category where there's clearly, you know, more than enough guys that would be no issue Pro Bowl players, but you can only pick so many. Dan has the qualification, which I like, of is he a player that made plays to change games and win games? And Nelson against Dallas, that touchdown catch he had where he reached over the defender, that started the comeback. And then there was a third and nine later in that in that game where he reaches out one-handed on a crossing route. If he doesn't make either one of those plays, which are exceptional, He's made they don't some win of the... that game. And he didn't have big numbers that day, but those were two plays that almost no one's going to make. Right. A Jordy Nelson highlight reel would be more fun to watch than any other receiver sure. in the NFL. I had an issue Alshon. with Greg. Alshon um, could be there. Greg Alshon. doesn't pick Josh Gordon, but selects Greg Little. When you talk about <laughs> watching the games, I would suggest maybe check back in. That's not true. Mark, you, you chose Julius Thomas. Give uh, give the tight end a little bit of love. Well, I think that there is cl- – number one, I went Gronkowski as part of this group. I don't care if he's hurt. That guy mm. is by far the best. But to me, it came down to Julius Thomas and uh, Jordan Cameron. And – I am a Browns homer to some degree, but I went against Cameron because I loved, if this season ended at week eight, he would have been a home run pick, but he really vanished down the stretch. Where I think Julius Thomas, and Wes, again, one of the first guys to mention him over the summer, Thomas, to me, was a revelation this season. I think he's still producing and part of a record-setting offense, and uh, again, I just went, it was a flip of a coin, I went Thomas. I had the same decision and went with your boy, Jordan Cameron, whereas you went with my boy, Julius Thomas. And it's because, to me, Cameron had better numbers, except for the touchdowns, with three different quarterbacks, one of whom ignored him for most of the year in Jason Campbell. Mm -hmm. And I can't blame Jordan Cameron because Jason Campbell won't throw to him. And Cameron still wasn't one of the – I think he was third in yards among tight ends. Yeah, I believe that's right. He he disappeared for times, and maybe that wasn't That's not his fault. It's not his fault. That was the quarterback. And to me – the difference Maybe between, I made a mistake. I didn't have him on there. I didn't have Gronkowski either. You can't put Gronkowski oh, in for half a season. Oh, you absolutely can put Gronk because you saw how much of a difference he made to that team. Cameron and Thomas, both former college basketball players, I think Jordan Cameron is more athletic, moves more fluidly, and if you put him in the Broncos' offense, he's even better oh, than I'd Julius like to Thomas. I'd like yeah. to see that. I put Thomas in. 
I don't like putting anyone that misses four games. That's about my cutoff. That's if a baseball player missed forty games, you would never put him in the pro in the All Star game. Gronk, Gronk would play three games and get my vote over these bum tight ends that we're putting. In. <laughs> None of them are bums. Hobos. Let's wrap up strong, shall we? Because the people have been emailing, tweeting, saying, "Where is Mark's take on T.J. Ward, the Browns' safety? <laughs> can we can we get that before Christmas? Can we talk a little?" Pro Bowl campaign for T.J. Ward. Well, you know, I thought the safety group was interesting. There's a lot of good safeties, and um, there's a lot of bad ones too, frankly. But for me, Ward, I think that he's the guy that I think if he played in a different city for a different team that was on television a little bit more, he'd be he'd have more recognition. I, by nature, each week I was covering the Browns, and and I wasn't happy with Ward in past seasons because I found him to be very spotty in terms of coverage. I think he's become a much better player this season. And, look, I just pulled the trigger. When we were given this exercise, one of the things I most looked most forward to was putting T.J. Ward on my ballot. Outside of Earl Thomas, he's easily been the best safety in the NFL, I think. Big, huge hitter for, yes, a, for a safety. Covers well. Probably the best run defense safety in the NFL. Yeah. And I think may have been the best player on a talented Browns defense this year. See, that's why you come to Around the League. We're taping podcasts on Christmas Eve, and we're telling you how you can intelligently fill out your Pro Bowl ballot with T.J. Ward. You guys convinced me. I should have. Had, I did have him on, but basically because you guys convinced me. <laughs> and you were right. And I also want to just say before we go to Keenan Lewis, wherever you are, Saints cornerback. He was very upset that we did not include him on our Pro Bowl ballots. For some reason, he chose me and Dan uh, to tweet at, and he wanted to know why he was not on there. And I looked a little deeper into it. You know, Keenan Lewis is a borderline pro bowler. He he belongs there. I wouldn't argue with it. He maybe belongs there over some some guys I had. So I, I, I'm i sorry. Vote for Keenan Lewis. I think Keenan Lewis deserves some votes. Sure, yeah. he's He should be in the conversation. He Anyone is. that cares enough to— Anyone that tweets at us and, yeah. is in the conversation. Yeah. That's except, how you break that third Except for the idiot fanboys. Right. If Steve well. <laughs> Gregory of the Patriots— tweeted at me, I'd be like, put him in the Pro Bowl. Anyone that just <laughs> wants to give us some attention. Anyone that wants to give us awards. Thank you, iTunes, for making us uh, the best of 2013 awards or whatever. Thank you for <laughs> listening. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth as silk. Thank you for listening, everyone, and uh, making this uh, pre-Christmas season about as fun as can be. We'll be back on Friday previewing all the Week 17s games the gold standard will be there will you not oh i most certainly will we'll be excited in the meantime hope everyone has a great christmas for the gold standard mark sessler chris wesseling dan handis and kevin patra in absentia merry christmas to them as well i'm greg rosenthal we'll talk to you friends You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.